uh, Judges chapter 16, if you will. Uh, Judges chapter 16. Uh, I am looking forward to uh, my, my wife and family and I are going to be out of town uh, next, uh, let's see here, next week. We leave after uh, Saturday morning after the graduation. So we get a week uh, with my, uh, where I grew up there in Indiana with my family. And I get the, I'm excited because uh, Brother Mutcher will be able to, I've asked him to preach next Sunday. And if you're newer to our church and you don't know, um, Brother Mutchler and his wife Vicki started the church uh, 38 years ago, almost 39 now. And uh, God used them in a powerful way, and God's still using them. And so I've asked him to preach. Uh, you'll enjoy hearing him. You'll be helped. You'll be encouraged and strengthened. So I'm looking forward to that for you all, and I'll look forward to tuning in online as well and hearing that. And so we're looking forward to that. I will continue our series through Judges today. And then, of course, if you did not get a handout, if you'll uh, raise your hand, our men are coming forward, and uh, maybe you'd like a handout to follow on, follow along, and raise your hand up if you need a handout, and thank you for that. Uh, Brother Steve, thank you for reminding me of that, and I hope that will be helpful for you. We're going to continue in our series, uh, mini-series, and the, the larger series of Judges and the Life of Samson. Samson uh, had four chapters dedicated to him. And so there's much recorded about Samson. Of course, some judges barely got a verse. And so there's much to learn about Samson. By the way, not to emulate all the time. Of course, last week we learned some things we could emulate. But more just uh, to look at and say, okay, let me learn from some of these things. And that will kind of be the, the case today. Uh, I want to bring a message this morning on the incredible foolishness of going to Gaza. The incredible foolishness of going to gaze, and I think it will make more sense as we go along. And if you found uh, Judges 16, it's in your handout there, or it's in your, uh, uh, on the screens, or maybe in your Bible, if you could stand to your feet. Uh, we're going to read just three verses this morning, if you're physically able to, to stand, by the way. And uh, we'll get right into the message today. I'm excited about this text here. Then went Samson uh, to Gaza, and saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in, and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all the night, saying, And the morning when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson laid till midnight, and rose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron, if you have been able to be with us the last few weeks, uh, you of course know that Samson and Philistines are supposed to be enemies. And Samson has been raised up by God to lead the children of Israel out of bondage from the Philistines. But Samson always doesn't live his life to where it seems like they're enemies. Oftentimes he gets mixed up with them. And uh, last week we learned that for 20 years he, he kind of stayed away from them and actually did what God had for him. Of course, God used different circumstances to get him to that place. But now we find Samson back with the Philistines again. And, and uh, of course, there's some thoughts and helps for us. But I wanted to kind of give you a little perspective. And let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. You sure are a great God. Lord, we come to you today knowing uh, we need you. We need to hear from you. And Lord, your word is sufficient for us. It's like a hammer. It breaks to pieces. It's like a sword that pierces through the stirring of the hearts, the sunder, Lord, it, it, it's our food, it's, it's what we need. And there's many metaphors in Scripture about your word, but we need it today. We need to be fed, we need to be challenged, we need to be equipped, we need to be strengthened, we need to be encouraged. 
So I pray that you'll do just that today. May I get out of the way and may you flow through me. Or be with the children and the nursery and the teens right now being taught in separate parts of the building. May they be learn, learn as well. May they learn as well today from you. I'll be with those online tuning in all over, Lord, all the country, Lord, all over this area, Lord, needing to hear from you as well. I pray that you'll comfort them and know they'll know that you're close, and may they know they're loved and appreciated here, and they're prayed for, Lord, as we know about them. I pray that you'll be with uh, those who are here today. Some carrying a burden, uh, some overwhelmed, some some desperately need to hear from you. Lord, I pray you'll touch their heart today. We sure do love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's a story about a teenager who lost a contact lens while he was playing basketball in the driveway of his home. As a good child or teenager does, he, he looked really intently for it for about three seconds. And then he said, oh, I just can't find it. So he went and told his mom about it. And his mom... Uh, took up the cause within minutes and went down uh, to the driveway and looked very intently. And it wasn't long before she found the contact lens. She went up and told the teenage boy, and he says, well, how in the world do you do that? She says, well, we weren't looking for the same thing. She said, you were looking for a small piece of plastic. I was looking for $150. (laughs) And, you know, Samson here... kind of got mixed up a little bit. His eyes were on the right prize for a while, but here in this passage, he's off track. And how often in our lives can we have our eyes on Jesus Christ? And then maybe in a moment of relaxation or in a moment of letting our guard down or maybe in a moment of just not really paying attention or thinking we can get off track. I think if you look at this first sentence here, of chapter 16, then went Samson to Gaza and saw there in a harlot and went in unto her. You think, Samson, what in the world are you doing? I mean, you go from finally getting out of your childish immaturity to actually doing what God's called you to do and leading a group of people to where they should be led and God's finally using you and then you just go and do something stupid like that. It's almost like a light switch has been flipped. Samson, what are you doing? But if you study this passage out a little bit more, you'll find that this wasn't a light switch type moment in Samson's life. I really believe Samson was in the wrong place at the wrong time and Satan used his besetting sin, if you will, and Satan used his letdown, if you will, to get him off track once again. And I think if you look at this sentence, you can think that would never happen to me. But if you study this passage out, you can see many similarities between you and Samson this morning. No, you may not do what he is about to do, but you can get off track from what God's called you to do and get yourself off base and in sin sometimes. It could be the sin of pride. It could be the sin of gossip. It could be the sin of money or chasing fame or popularity, chasing power. It could be the sin of anger or selfishness or lust. It could be all types of things. But we can get off track. We can get sucked into things without even realizing it. An enthusiastic mom was at her son's little league game. Her boy was pitching for the opposing team and she cheered as he threw wild pitch after wild pitch. The poor kid walked every batter. The mom obviously didn't understand the game of baseball. 
It was only the first inning and the score was 14 to 0. Finally, one batter hit and smacked the ball. The mom said, oh no, there goes his (laughs) no-hitter. And Samson here is is really, was doing good. He was batting a thousand. And now he bats a zero, if you will. We are all susceptible and vulnerable to Satan's attack. The writer of Hebrews tells us, the sin which does so easily beset us. Uh, Paul reminds us in Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. So what about you this morning? What about me this morning? What is your besetting sin? Oh, don't broadcast it. We're not going to put it on the screen. Don't worry. But you know, I know, what is our besetting sin? What are opportunities we have to give place to the devil? The Bible says don't do it. And so what is the process that sometimes happens from understanding our besetting sin, knowing it's right there, but yet finding ourselves right smack dab of giving place to the devil? How does that happen? How do we deal with it? How do we avoid it? Well, I think there's three lessons we can learn this morning from Samson. Many more applications. But number one, if you're writing, we see Samson and his defilement. Samson and his defilement. The Bible says there, then Samson went to Gaza. I really believe that Samson was defiled because he found himself involved in the wrong address. He found himself involved in the wrong address. Gaza was this Philistine city that was located near the Mediterranean Sea. It was known for its beaches. It was known for its resort-type atmosphere. It was a place where Jewish and Palestinians would often find themselves to going on a vacation, a getaway, much like maybe some of our people are at today. You know, they're, they're getting away, which, praise the Lord, we're glad for that. I think there's seasons of life where you need a time of renewal, refreshing. And Samson, of course, has been judging the people for 20 years. And if you know anything about leadership, you know sometimes that you're faced with problems you don't quite know how to deal with. And you have to wrestle with it. You have to pray about it. You've got to seek counsel. And perhaps Samson has gone through a journey of just a heavy season, maybe. We don't know exactly. The Bible doesn't really show us. But we do know that Samson goes down to Gaza, probably not for the sole purpose of finding a harlot, but probably because he just wanted to get away. And by the way, when you want to get away, you don't want to just go across the street. Why? Because people can still find you. (laughs) You want to get out of town. You want to get away where no one else is and you want to be able to enjoy yourself. And Samson probably thought, well, let's go to Gaza. I've never been there. It's 40 miles away. Of course, they didn't have a car. They didn't have a plane. So it was either a donkey or it was walking there. So it was a little bit out of the way. He thought he'd probably be far away from everything. And so he perhaps maybe was going to enjoy some basking in the sun on the beaches there. Of course, not always a wise thing because there's probably a lot of Philistines there on those beaches. But he goes there probably most likely just to get out of town, if you will, just to have a break. The problem with going to Gaza was Gaza was a very main road that traveled between Egypt and Babylon and Assyria. It was a main road where it was also a military outpost and most likely there was a lot of Philistines there. It was a very a commercialized area. It was a busy city as well as a place where you can go. Maybe like a San Diego. It was a big city but yet it had a lot of tourist type areas. And the word Gaza means strength. It was the capital city of the five areas there of the Philistines. It was a powerful city. It was a strong city and 
Samson perhaps was going down for just a break. But it's not very wise because he finds himself traveling deep into enemy territory. The very people he's been fighting for 20 years. Not a very good idea. In fact, uh, he's just setting himself up for failure. He's tempting God's anointing of his protection. And he goes down there uh, to, 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 to get away. But it's not obviously God's plan for him. And of course, Samson finds a way to justify it, I'm sure. It reminds me of three fans who are bemoaning the starry state of their football team. The first fan said, I blame the general manager. If he would have picked better players, we'd be a better team. The second fan says, no, it's not his fault. It's the players' team. If they would just play harder, we'd have a better team. The third fan says, no, it's not the general manager's fault. It's not the player's fault. It's my parents' fault. The fans look at him and say, what are you talking about? He says, if my parents would have uh, 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 had me in a bigger city with a bigger market team, then I wouldn't have to root for such a sorry team. And uh, we see this morning that Samson most likely finds himself making excuses. But he puts himself dead center in the midst of the very place that he struggled with. And I'll just say this this morning. If you consistently find yourself in places where you are surrounded by sin, especially your besetting sin, and where you can be tempted, you are setting yourself up for a fall. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 14, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. You know, God tells us in his scripture, don't even set yourself up for sin. 2 Peter 2.8, For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Don't even set yourself up. Don't even go there. And so we see Samson's defilement involved the wrong address. But second of all, we see Samson's defilement involved the wrong attractions. The Bible says there, he saw an harlot. Now, you and I would look at that and say, oh, we know what Samson has in mind. But I think it's interesting, if you study this word out, in the Hebrew, it is the word zonet. And it literally just means a woman that keeps an inn. A woman that keeps an inn. She was the innkeeper. And so probably wasn't exactly what you and I are thinking of right this moment. But it reminds me of Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out to Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now I've heard this, this text preached so many times growing up. And most of the time I've always heard it that they went into a home of a harlot and God still was able to use this woman. Now, I must say this. I I did not realize, after studying this out, that this could have just been a hotel. That these two men that Joshua Ham picked about the land could have stayed in. But whatever the case may be, Samson probably didn't necessarily go there for that direct purpose. He probably was going instead 
uh, to get a, a place. It was really a social hall back then. Uh, inns were and, and, and uh, uh, hotels, if you will. It wasn't a place you just went to sleep. It was a place you'd go and maybe talk to people and refresh yourself and probably get some type of drink maybe or some type of food. And, and maybe there was uh, some areas there you could play games or, or whatnot. And Samson finds himself in this place. And, and while he's there, he connects eyes with a loose woman. He connects eyes with a woman that probably didn't have the best intentions in mind. But Lyra says many hostesses too easily prostituted themselves to their guests. So whatever the case, Samson probably didn't go there necessarily to get in trouble. But while he's there, his besetting sin, his tempting, the loose woman that normally tends to trip him up, was there and they connect eyes. And we see Samson's vision... It becomes blurred. It becomes blurred by his lust. It reminds me of a man who played for a semi-pro baseball team. At every game, the team that he played for would give away raffle tickets for prizes just to kind of make it a little more fun and exciting. They won a t-shirt or, or something. And uh, one day, uh, the drawing was being done by the umpire. And this particular man of the semi-pro team got up to bat and they had a little break in between batters, and the home plate umpire pulled the winning ticket out, and he turned to the, the young man at the plate and said, Sorry, son. He says, But can you read this number? My vision's not too good. And uh, that's not what you want in an umpire. But we see some clouded vision here. Samson isn't seeing clearly. He's, instead of focusing on Jesus Christ, he finds himself in the totally wrong address, probably wasn't expecting to do wrong, but while he was there, he was tempted and he gave in to his lust. If we do not guard the eye gate, we will allow things into our minds that will cause us to be tempted. And it is very possible to be defiled by the very things we see. Matthew 5, 28 says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. We see David does this. Solomon does this. They just looked and ended up defiling them. You say, Pastor Justin, what do you do in those moments? Well, the psalmist reminds us in Psalms 119.37, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Quicken thou me in thy way. It takes an effort. It takes discipline. It takes action. Turn away. Don't even look at that. Job 31, verse 1. Job says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. I made an agreement with my eyes. I'm not going to look on that very thing that can tempt me. Proverbs 4, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. It takes action. It takes effort. It takes discipline. And I don't know what sin you struggle with today. I could name a thousand of them. You don't know what sin I struggle with today. But I can tell you much, this much two people do, including yourself. The devil does and God does. And the devil's going to come after you. He's going to try to get you. But I'm thankful today that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we can get victory over sin. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to live in that sin. We can... Get over it, but we see Samson here was defiled by the wrong address, by the wrong attraction. But third of all, we see by the wrong aliens, alliances. The Bible says under 
he went in unto her. It wasn't just a lustful glance anymore. This is now turned into an action. And we find himself in the wrong place and the wrong things. And now he becomes his own worst enemy. He contributed to his own fall. The Bible says in James 1 verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, when it's allowed to spring up, when it's allowed to grab a hold, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Samson is sinning because he's at the wrong place with the wrong kind of people. Proverbs 22, verse 24, the proverb there admonishes us to make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare unto us all. May I encourage us, it's hard to fight sin and and temptation by ourselves. First of all, we need God, we need his word. But second of all, it's good to have a good Christian friend that will help you. Be accountable to someone. May I encourage us today to stay away from the wrong address, to stay away from the wrong attractions, to stay away from the wrong alliances. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 15, verse 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. So we see Samson probably didn't intend to get himself in trouble, if you will. But he finds himself in there, and we see the journey that, how that possibly could have happened. We see Samson in his defilement, but number two, I want us to see Samson in his discovery. Samson in his discovery. The Bible says in verse two, And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all the night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning when it is day, we shall kill him. We see four different ways here that sin works. We see four different ways here that anybody that's against God can work in our lives and try to get us off track. And first of all, Samson saw sin's surrounding work. The Bible says they compassed him in. They literally, the Philistines went around the city and they wanted to make sure that there was no way that this man who had killed a thousand people with a jawbone of a donkey and then this man who was able to put him at bay for 20 years, they wanted to make sure they got Samson when he was vulnerable and he was all alone. They were going to make sure and destroy him. And so they compassed him about. May I say sin, like a boa constrictor, boa constrictor can encircle our lives, can it not? It can slowly squeeze a life out. I have seen the freedom of a sinner be destroyed and stolen away by sin affecting them mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually. I have seen good people get involved in sin and suffer with diseases and addictions and trauma, financial losses. I have seen men who've had their great relationship ruined because of sin. I've seen sin destroy families. I've seen sin shatter trust. I've seen sin bring on depression. I've seen sin sometimes bring incarceration. May I say it's never worth it. Sin will always promise so much freedom, but instead it will take the very freedom of living out of us. Paul writes about this to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 2 verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, 
and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and on the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, sin has a way about surrounding our work. But second of all, sin also has a steady work. It doesn't let up. It doesn't take a break. It doesn't leave us for a season. No, what does Paul says? I die daily. I know daily I'm going to be hit by sin. The Bible says there, and laid wait for him all night. They patiently waited for him to leave. Philistines were in no hurry. They knew what Samson was capable of, and they wanted to make sure that he was in the most vulnerable spot. And they laid wait for him. And may I say, Satan as a roaring lion, seeking about whom he may devour. Satan's always there. Sin's always present. Instead of attacking directly, they set an, uh, set an ambush for him. And back in those days, the city gates weren't like a cattle gate or weren't like a uh, weren't like a, a garden gate. They were big, formidable things. And there was these uh, uh, two-story rooms, if you will, that was built around them. And it was a very impressive thing. And people knew there was, there was ruling in the gate being done. There was uh, 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 governmental things being done. There was also protection there. And soldiers would wait there and be ready to take them out. And this was a place that Samson had to go in or out of. There's no other way. And that night, the gates were locked shut. And they knew it's just a matter of time before Samson's going to come and we're going to get him. May I say, sin also will lay a trap for us. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sin always has a find, finds a way of rearing its ugly head in our life. And we may think we can get by with it for a little bit, but eventually we will reap its awful seeds We see sin's surrounding work, it's steady work, it's silent work. The Bible says they were quiet all the night. They didn't want Samson to know that they were there. They were just hiding out and and just ready. The The verb quiet there in the Hebrew has the idea of giving themselves up to carelessness. They literally were so confident in their plan that some of these Philistines were lulled to sleep. They were so confident and... The walls and the gates, they were so confident in the power they had over Samson. But what they didn't figure out is God still had a plan for Samson's life. And it just shows us that sin can always be conquered by God. And though we get in sin, God still sometimes shows his grace on us, does he not? How many times could things have turned out so much worse for me, but God's hand was on me even though I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do? And we see Samson here is still being protected by God. But may I say, sin is still subtle. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 25, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seems like it's right. My flesh is being appeased. Everything's okay. No, no, no. It'll get you in the end. We see sin slaying work. The Bible says there, the Philistine said, When it is day... We shall kill him. The very city he went to go and relax. The very city he went to maybe go and just have a nice weekend. That very city wanted to destroy him. And sin, no matter how great it looks, always wants to destroy. After hearing a sermon on Psalms 52, 3 and 4, it's about lies and deceit. A man wrote the IRS. 
I can't sleep knowing that I have cheated on my income tax. And close is a check for $150. By the way, if I can't still sleep, I'll send the rest. (laughs) And how oftentimes sin can do that. Can it not? Let's just take care of a little bit. And as long as I feel better, I'll just go on. May I say, all the sin needs to be destroyed, does it not? Um, You know, one thing I've learned out here is blackberry bushes just have the gift of giving, do they not? You cut them all down and think, got you. And then the next year, right back up to come. And sin just got to be destroyed, does it not? Sin needs to be taken care of or else it'll just keep coming up again. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Death is the end of sin. By the way, the payment of our sin is death and hell. You say, well, Pastor Justin, I, I don't know if what I've done is worthy of hell. You know, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, well, how, how can one sin be short? Well, sin was a medieval term back then where they would take a pra- target practice and they would shoot a bow at, at, the, sh- at the target. And, and, and if you missed just by a smidgen or if you missed by a mile... You still sinned. Sin meant you missed the mark. Whether you're the worst sinner in here or the best sinner in here. If you've sinned, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. So how do you know that? Well, because you were born in sin. Wherefore is by one man sin into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for they all have sinned. Even in our best state, Nicodemus even realized this. And he was a great uh, 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 a Pharisee and Sadducee, he knew it all. He, he was a teacher in the temple, but he came to Jesus one night and says, what must a man do to be saved? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Not of water, but of the Spirit. There must come a time in your life when you realize you're a sinner and you have no hope. But the rest of Romans 6.23 says, for the, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. James 1.15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You see, sin is so destructive that if one doesn't escape it, you will experience death and hell separated from God forever. Now, that's not a popular place to say. But you know what? The reality is, if you do not come to Christ, you have no hope. The only way to get rid of that is not going to church, not being good, even though those aren't bad things to do. The only way is to give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Of course, Jesus speaking, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross for you? He was willing to shed his blood for you. Will you accept that in your life today? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But then Paul writes, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I knew as a 10-year-old boy, I had told a lie before. I knew as a 10-year-old boy, I had picked on my sister, even though she was usually the one doing the picking, you know. I was always the innocent party. Maybe one time I went, no, I'm teasing. I knew as a boy I had done wrong. I knew I had disobeyed my parents before. I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't robbed a store, you know. But you know what? It doesn't matter what you've done. 
The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. But I'm thankful that the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name Lord shall be saved. I remember, I'll never forget as a 10-year-old boy when I realized that and I invited Jesus Christ to my life. It was a simple prayer. I wasn't an eloquent, deep uh, thinker. But I was a 10-year-old boy that knew I needed a Savior. And when I cried out to God, God says, I like that. I'm going to save you. And he'll do that for every single person in here if you'll give your life to him. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you realize today, no matter how dirty you are, Jesus' blood will cleanse you from all your sins? So we see, first of all, Samson's defilement. We see, second of all, Samson's discovery. But third of all, I want us to see Samson and his deliverance. The Bible says in verse number 3, And Samson laid till midnight, and arose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. Now this is a very interesting verse, and really, it's an amazing story. And, and some of you like maybe... Uh, 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 these, these characters like Superman and the Hulk, and you can picture this right now, and perhaps they got those, those characters from Samson. We don't know. But we see here, uh, Samson is in bed, of course, with this woman, and, and if, it, if it were not for the intervention of the Lord, he would have been killed this very night. But somewhere along the line, around midnight, uh, maybe God touched his heart, or maybe pricked his spirit, or maybe an angel of the Lord came and whacked him up the side of the head and said, Samson, get up. You know, there's Philistines all around. Maybe it was even the woman who heard about it and said, Hey, Samson, hey, hey, uh, uh, you better get out of here. And, of course, they're laying in wait. They're, it's quiet. They're, it seems like the whole town is quiet, but there's some men who are waiting for him. And for whatever reason, around midnight, Samson gets up and he decides to escape the city. But he finds out the gates are closed. This isn't a 24-7 city. The gates are closed at night, and these are big gates. These are uh, the size of a camel could go through. Uh, Philistines were tall people already, and it was a powerful gate. It was built of wood, and of course the Philistines had come up with iron and had created it, and of course there was probably iron plates on it, and it was securely shut, and thousands of pounds were these gates, and they were attached to these poles, and there was no way humanly possible anybody could escape, but Samson is alerted and walks to these gates and puts it on his shoulders and walks 13 miles up the hill to Hebron. Hebron was the tallest point of all the mountains. Now, I don't know about you, but I've often wondered, how did this 5 foot 10, 11, 6 foot man, I don't know how tall he was, have on these 15 foot plus gates? You know, could you imagine? 13 miles. It was humiliating the city. It was taking away their protection. And he places them there uphill. There's no way that's possible. It reminds me of the story about a man who went back to his high school for his 10th reunion. He met his old coach and walking through the gym, he came upon a plaque that this man was listed as the record holder for the longest baseball throw. He saw that after 10 years and thought, <laughs> I remember that day. The coach noticed his surprise and said, that record will stand forever. Man, the, the man kind of got a little excited, you know, felt good to hear that. And he was getting ready to come back with a modest disclaimer, like, oh, of course, records are meant to be broken. When the coach said, 
uh, uh, we actually stopped holding that event years ago. <laughs> and uh, we see here this powerful story. Like, how did Samson do this? It only happened by the grace of God. May I say, whenever you get victory over sin, it only happens by the grace of God. We have got to have God's help in our life. Samson did not sin because he was physically strong. He sinned because he was morally weak. Matthew 12, verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And that's just who we are in the flesh. We're naturally evil people. But the Bible says a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Without God's help, we have no hope in our life. We, we exist to bring him glory. We see the power of his deliverance, but I want us to see, last of all, the pardon of his deliverance. I've mentioned this already, but the grace of God allowed him to be aware of their plot, escape from their trap, and to carry off the gates of the city. Without God's help, we have no hope for survival. There's a story about Flight Sergeant Alchemade. In 1944, he had the longest fall from the sky that of anyone that's ever survived. He jumped from his blazing bomber 18,000 feet in the air. The story goes on, he broke the fall by literally riding down the fir tree's branches and landed knee-high into a bank of snow and didn't suffer one broken bone. It was amazing. Now we look at that story and say, that's impossible. But may I say, God is the God of the impossible. And because of his grace, you and I still have the ability to live the Christian life today. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. Do you realize today it's impossible to get to heaven on your own good? It's impossible to conquer sin in your life by yourself. You must have Jesus Christ and his grace. The Bible says not of works listening man should boast. In fact, it goes on to say it's the gift of God, not of yourselves. May I encourage you today to come to Jesus if you don't know him. You say, well, I've been coming for a couple weeks now, or I've been coming for a little bit while, but I'm still trying to figure everything out. Well, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know one thing. Jesus is a loving Heavenly Father who is just waiting for you to cry out to him. And I hope in prayer today is you'll give your life to Christ. But maybe today we can also learn from Samson that we must shield our lives from the evil influences that lead us away from God. We need to watch the places we go. We need to watch the things we give our attention to. We need to watch the people we associate with. And I don't have to say this, but we live in a day and age where sin is very accessible. We we can get ourselves ensnared in so many things. But we must determine to say no to sin and yes to the Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Perhaps maybe you're sitting here today and would say, Pastor Justin, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I've, I've been foolish and I've gone to gaze out of my life. I've tried to sort it out. I've tried to do my best. But I'm realizing that, like the rich young ruler, I, 
I can't do it on my own. I'm tired of trying to live life without Christ. I realize today that I need Jesus. I need his help. I need his saving. Uh, my sin is keeping me from cry, from God, and I need his precious blood that he shed for me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Would you help me with that? Would you pray for me? Maybe there's someone like that today. Every head bowed and every eye is closed. No one moving around. No one looking around. I promise you I will not embarrass you. But I want to pray for you this morning. How many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Will you pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. Would you just slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you this morning. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else this morning? I see those hands over here to my left and to my right. Anybody else maybe in the balcony that would say, I need Jesus in my life. How many would say, Pastor Justin, if I could, I would invite Jesus in. If that's you, and you raised your hand right now. I prayed a simple prayer when I was a 10-year-old boy. I, I didn't really know what all to say. But I just, I just gave God my heart. And I, I want to help you pray a prayer. It, it, it's not the perfect words that save you. It is simply you crying out to God. I'd like to help help you maybe with that. Just say something like this in your heart. You don't need to say it out loud. No one will know but you and God. If that's something you want to do right now, just say something like this in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I deserve to go to hell. But I don't want to go there. Lord, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. And I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. I repent of my way of thinking and put my faith and my trust in you alone as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me of my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I will not embarrass you. But how many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I just prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus in my life. Would you raise your hand up real quick? I want to rejoice with you. Anybody today? God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. Praise the Lord. How many say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. But I'll be honest with you. I always blame Samson for just being an idiot. But I realize today in that first verse maybe that I've done the same thing. I didn't go intentional to sin, but I set myself up by the wrong place, the wrong people, the wrong time. And I learned today that I want to be careful with that. I want to be more observant for that. I want to make sure I avoid those times in my life as much as I can so I can be a victorious Christian. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? If that's you, please lift your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see hands all over. How many would say today, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I just, God touched my heart today. And I, I'm carrying a burden. I, I have a financial need. I have a spiritual need. I, I have a, a relationship need. I have a work thing. Uh, there's just some struggles in my life. And it's just weighing me down. Will you pray for me that God will give the strength? like he did Samson, to get through that. His grace will help me. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? I want to pray for you. God bless you. 
Maybe there's another area that God touched your heart that I didn't mention today, and that's fine. It's not about me knowing all these things. It's about you getting alone with God. Maybe you'd like to follow the Lord in baptism this morning, or which is an outward expression of my inward decision of salvation. Maybe you'd like to uh, join the church today, and we'd love to have you do that, talk to you about that. Maybe there's another thing you'd like one of our pastors to pray for. I'm going to have a word of prayer for you, and then we're going to open up our invitation for that time. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. I don't know what everyone's going through. Lord, I don't need to know. But I do want to go to them, go to you on their behalf. I pray you'll touch hearts, touch lives. Wrap your arms around people. Comfort them. Hold them close. May they know you're real. May you start working through them, working in their lives. And may you do something that only you can do. Lord, I pray you'll bless this invitation time. Be with those who invited you into their life this morning. We're so happy for them. May they know they're a child of you. And that once they're saved, you're always saved. And Lord, they're saved to the uttermost. May they, Lord, take that next step of obedience with baptism. May they get involved in a good church. And may you help them grow. Lord, be with those who are just dealing with things today. Help them. Lord, I pray you help people to stay away from Gaza. They won't, they won't go there. They'll just stay away from it. Lord, may you help others who are just dealing with things today. May they feel the peace that passes all understanding. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet this morning, the piano is going to play. We're going to have a time of invitation. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism, or maybe you'd like to join the church. And We'd love to make that official this morning. If you'd like to join the church, I invite you to come forward at this time. You won't need to say anything, or uh, we just want to just get record of it. And feel free to come forward and talk to our assistant pastors. Maybe you'd like someone to pray with you. That's okay. That's what we're here for. And we want to talk to you about that as well. May I encourage you to take some time and get along with God this morning and reflect on the message. Maybe pray for someone near you that the Lord's put on your heart. Just pray that God will work in hearts today as the piano plays. bless you. You may be seated. Uh, Thank you for listening so intently this morning. Appreciate you being here, being faithful in your place. Um, I did want to mention today we have Jeremy and Daisy Harjo, and they are coming from Open Door Baptist Church in Linwood, Washington, where Pastor Jason Murphy is, and they're trans...
um, transferring their membership here to Grandview Baptist Church. Been coming for a while, saved, baptized. Raise your hand back there. And uh, they want to join the church today. And all in favor, say aye. All right, it carries. Welcome to the family. We look forward to serving the Lord together in the years to come. Uh, what a great young couple. And let's get to know them. Maybe take a minute and shake their hand on the way out and greet them. And uh, we're so glad you're here today and with us. Uh, this time we have a video we want to share. Uh, just a few upcoming events. It's a little over a minute long. And then we'll get you on your way today. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for our Level Up Teaching and Training modules. Come and choose two of the modules on various topics from the lineup. Don't miss this special time of training with something for every Christian. Don't miss the Grandview Christian Academy 2023 graduation ceremonies this weekend. Kindergarten graduation will be held on Thursday, June 1st at 6 p.m., and high school graduation will be held on Friday, June 2nd at 6 p.m. Join us in celebrating all of the hard work our graduates have accomplished. Grandview Men's Summer Softball is back this summer, and signups are underway starting today. This is a tremendous opportunity to build a relationship with other men in the church, as well as an opportunity for outreach. The cost will be $40 and will include a team jersey, hat, and several weeks of games. Stop by the welcome desk in the lobby to find more information and sign up today. Mark your calendars for the Churchwide Outreach Sunday, June 3rd at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith with our community. We will be holding a special Baptism Sunday in the 11 a.m. service on June 11th. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior but have not followed the Lord in baptism and would like to be baptized on this day, please sign up at the welcome desk. Invitation cards are also available at the welcome desk for you to invite your friends and family to come to your baptism. Mark your calendars for our upcoming events this summer. Our men's advance will be June 23rd and 24th. Join us for preaching by Pastor Stuart Mason and Pastor Jason Murphy, as well as food, fellowship, and games. Vacation Bible School will be held July 10th through 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is for children K-4 through 6th grade. If you would like to sign up to help with this event, there are sign-up sheets available at the Welcome Desk. Finally, don't miss our Young Adult Conference with Pastor Kurt Skelly on Friday and Saturday, August 11th and 12th. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we will see you tonight at 5. Okay, please know God loves you, and this pastor loves you. Have a great, great week. You are dismissed.